This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. At Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers, incredible offers, and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krupnik, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. WPHT-WPHT-HD-WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast yes. this is the next generation of talk now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli you're a parent. Do you support a ban on social media for your kids under 16? They may pass it in Florida. Representative Cori Bush is under investigation for enriching herself and her husband. And uh, will Alejandro Mayorkas be impeached? These are just some of the things we will tackle throughout the afternoon today. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thank you for being here. Don't forget Thursday night, Parks Casino Comedy Night, this coming Thursday, and our speaker event with Terry Hayes, which has been moved now to a new location. It'll be Main Point Books in Wayne, PA. That is coming up on February 7th, the year of the locust. Unbelievable book. Mind-blowing, actually. And get your tickets for that at 1210WPHD.com. The economy is always a big story, obviously, and whenever the economy is a story, we turn to one man and one man alone, the official economist of The Zioli Show, and that is Dr. E.J. Antoni of the Heritage Foundation. Hello, my friend. How are you? Rich, I'm hanging in. How are you doing? We're doing great. I'm craving some combos, but other than that, I'm doing all right. Hanging in there, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, I made a comment today. I was filling in for Dana Lash on her national show from 12 to 3 today. And I made a comment about Biden, you know, who's going on about how uh, no family should have to sit outside of McDonald's in the parking lot for their kid to do their homework. And I said, are we going to talk about the price of McDonald's food over the last four years, the increase in the last three years of how much more they're paying for the food at that McDonald's as they sit in the parking lot using the free Wi-Fi? Or are we just going to pretend like that's not a thing? Yeah, or, or how about the fact that, you know, forget people not being able to pay for utilities, things like, like Internet. How about the fact that they can't even afford a place to live, period? I mean, we've literally never seen rents this high. We've never seen the cost of home ownership this high. We have never seen home ownership affordability this low, at least not in the last 50 years where we've been keeping track. I mean, my goodness, Mr. President, could you be any more tone deaf? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Could you be any any more tone deaf, uh, EJ Antoni? Because look, I mean, this is the this is the thing, right? The inflation issue that we're talking about. And what I want to know is what games is the Fed going to play this year? Because now we're in an election year, and everybody's wondering what little what little tricks the Fed has up their sleeve here to try to save Biden's presidency. Because I, I keep hearing about all these wonderful economic stories out there. I don't personally know anybody who's really seeing any of this. But do you have any thoughts on on what games we could see the Fed play? Oh, absolutely. And, and you're totally right that as much as we keep hearing all these stories about, oh, there's this great economic news and that great economic news. And then people ask themselves, well, how come I don't feel that great? How come this has, isn't happening to me? And it's frankly not happening to any of my friends or any of the other people that I know. It's because it's not real. We just got data this morning, for example, from it's basically a, a quarterly census that's done by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And what it tells us is that in the second quarter of last year, the job growth was only half, half of what they previously estimated. So you're absolutely right. Things are not as good as we're being told. You know, you, you don't need any kind of official statistics to know that things aren't that great for you and your family right now. As, as far as the Fed goes, what can we expect to see there? I mean, my goodness, they are going to look for any and every excuse they possibly can to cut rates 
to inject more liquidity into this market because it's the only way to, to save Biden economically, quite frankly. And that's the only way Powell can hope to be renominated because Trump already said he won't he won't let him in for a third term. He's going to pick someone else to be Fed chair. That's, you know, I mean, as I as I hear you say that, I start thinking to myself, all right, great. So so they get to play these little games with the economy. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who who are hurting. In fact, there's a, a whole thing. You probably saw this in the other day in the Wall Street Journal. Why people owe the IRS money in three charts. We haven't even really talked a lot about taxation. It hasn't come up a, a, a ton as an issue. But a lot of people are looking to get a refund, but they're finding out that they have a balance due instead. They're finding out that they owe. And as you know, we're getting ready to file our taxes. We start getting all the forms in the mail, mail right now. The IRS is restarting their collection efforts and they are ramping all this stuff up. Biden, let's not forget, Biden decided to weaponize the IRS as well. So taxpayers are going to feel that as well. They say nearly 6.3 million taxpayers owe between $1,000 and $5,000, yet some owe in the hundreds of thousands or more than a million dollars. And what, what I want to know is how much of the Inflation Reduction Act, it's so cute, right? What a, what a name. Uh, is going to be used by the IRS to go after not I'm not talking about high wealth people that, you know, the billionaires that Bernie Sanders always screams about. I mean, the people, the everyday people that are just making a living by selling things in the e, e, uh, e-commerce, you know, and the, the, the new market there, the gig economy, as they call it. How much of the IRS is going to be weaponized to go after them, E.J. and Tony? You're talking literally tens of thousands of IRS agents that have been hired to go after the middle class. And and one of the easiest ways to show that, that these are not all going after the billionaires and the millionaires, is that IRS internal documents have already shown that just a couple hundred auditors would be more than enough to audit all of the millionaires and billionaires in this country who aren't already being audited. So all of those agents that they hired are going after the middle class. And it's very easy to do that because the tax code is so insanely complex. Uh, A couple of years ago, Forbes magazine, for instance, uh, they hired a a couple dozen different tax professionals. And what did they find? Well, for every single different tax professional who audited the same family's tax returns, they came up with a different tax return. In other words, no one could figure out exactly how much money this family owed or how much money the family was owed by the IRS because the code is that complicated. Uh, you you, you t- uh, tweeted out something earlier today, <clears throat> putting the BS in BLS. Uh, what did you mean by that? Well, this goes back to what I was saying earlier, Rich, where, where you have this quarterly census data that, you know, I understand it can't be done every single month because it's just too complicated and it's too much work and there aren't enough people to do it. And it also takes too long to get the data. In other words, if you did the census, you know, this month in January, you wouldn't have it until sometime much later in the year. So they, the, the BLS gives us, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, gives us these monthly job estimates, except the problem is we're finding out that all of those great jobs numbers last year were all completely wrong. In other words, we didn't add anywhere near the number of jobs that we were told we did. There's a story that I saw from Politico, and I'll, I'll read you the headline here. Biden's manufacturing boom is underway, but the jobs haven't followed yet. The new manufacturing jobs tied to Biden's investment plans are coming, but maybe not until after the election. My question is, when you look at the, 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 the economy and they, they separate it by the job, the job market, I mean, they separate it by what? Non, non-farm jobs, I think, is what, how they do this, right? What really right, is right? Exactly. What really is the the actual truth? Because this this article from Politico and Politico is not exactly right wing. They say manufacturers added just twelve thousand jobs in twenty twenty three. That's it, twelve thousand. Right, exactly. And of those jobs, they were essentially all part time. They were actually, manufacturers were actually laying off workers who were full time. So the idea that that somehow there's there's this robust hiring in manufacturing is an absolute farce. What is really happening in manufacturing is a lot of these businesses got guaranteed loans 
through the Inflation Reduction Act. I know you love that name as much as I do, (laughs) but they got all these guaranteed loans for green energy projects, things like factories to build solar panels and, and windmills. And you have to ask, why weren't these companies doing those projects to begin with? It's because they're not profitable. But what's going on now is the loans are guaranteed by the government so that if the business isn't profitable, the business gets to just simply, or I should say the owners of the business, get to simply walk away. And the taxpayer has to pick up the tab, except that the owner gets to, gets to keep all of the money that he made during that process. In other words, all the, the salary money that, that he essentially gave himself out of those government-backed loans. The whole thing is a complete scam. All right, now let me ask you this. T- today I was on a call with a bunch of um, political people in New Jersey, and they asked me, they said, what do you think is one economic issue that maybe politicians aren't addressing enough? Or what's the one thing kind of bubbling under the surface? My answer was the housing market. I think there's a lot of people, for example, take Philadelphia. They, they live in the city. They're tired of the crime. They're tired of the, of the, the chaos, the nonsense. They want to leave. They want, they want to move to the burbs and give their kids better schools, but they cannot find a house. And so as a consequence of that, you also have now, there's no inventory in the housing market. You have super high interest rates for mortgages. And then, I want, and then the effect of what the rental properties are as well, because then that's the other thing I'm hearing, which is people say, I can't find an apartment that I can afford either. That, that's going to have to be a thing. I mean, that, there's something there bubbling under the surface that I, I think is going to come out here in this election. A hundred percent, Rich. I think you are spot on here. We haven't had this percentage of young people living with their parents literally for several generations. We haven't had this percentage of 40 year olds living with their parents since the Great Depression. People literally can't afford to get out on their own. You're, you know, they wonder, why is it that young people aren't getting married today? Maybe because they literally can't afford to live anywhere and they don't want to be a married couple living with their parents. I mean, my goodness, it's, it's absolutely insane that politicians have any priority right now besides a handful of things like securing the border and making it so that Americans can actually afford to live somewhere. What a novel idea. And I was just thinking about what, when, when you think about manufacturing jobs and a lot of people who work in manufacturing, um, their income level, you know, is, is a certain way and they might think to themselves, all right, now's my chance to uh, kids on the way, buy a bigger house, the American dream, you know, and they're the ones who I think are hurting the most here in all of this because they're that was how it always worked in America. You, you, you bought the starter house. And then as you made a little bit more money and you grew your family, you bought a bigger house. And that that was kind of the way it went. And then somebody would come in and buy that starter house. And and now people are not moving out of their starter houses. So you've got this 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 lack of inventory that's out there. And you're talking about people in the manufacturing sector who are very nervous about things. I thought it was a big tell when the head of the United Auto Workers Union came out and endorsed Biden, but said, I know a great majority of my members are not going to vote for him. They're going to be voting for it with their paychecks. I mean, you, you have to stop yourself and go, then why did you back him? And the only answer I can come up with is because of all the green subsidies and all the battery subsidies and all the nonsense that they're getting, I, I don't know what other reason you could defy your own members to such a degree because these guys who actually work for a living, these guys and gals who actually work for a living, they're not voting for this president. No, it's exactly right. And you know what? It just goes once again to show you how so often union leadership does not have union members in their like it's not in their interest to actually support their own members. It's in their interest to support themselves. That's exactly what's going on here. But, you know, Rich, I got to go back to when you were talking about starter homes. The starter home doesn't even exist anymore. When the median home in America has has almost doubled in three years, the, the price, I mean, when, when the median home is $400,000, people can't afford that, certainly not with a 7% interest rate. I mean, again, it's, I just I don't know how else to say it other than it is absolutely insane. One other stat for you, the, the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, they actually keep a, a monthly score of this. It's called a Home Ownership Affordability Index. And what they have found is if you look at all of the major metro areas across the country, that's 
That's basically an area with at least 500,000 people. There is literally one left in the entire country where a home is considered affordable, meaning the median household income can buy the median price home. This is absolutely insane. I I tell you, I'm amazed by how Janet Yellen can go out there and convince everybody that the economy is robust. And and you can even see articles about this. There's such a disconnect in this country right now between people who are making money and people that are just getting by. I mean, there is a real disconnect. I don't think that people in the media have caught on to it yet. I I, I just I don't think they, they do, because, I mean, I even saw this article in The Wall Street Journal that said America's remarkably resilient economy. And the whole thing about it was and this is I'm glad you're here for this, you know, spending by consumers and governments keeps powering growth and can it last that's the question the uh, wall street journal editorial board asked each of the spending by consumers a lot of this and we've talked about this before a lot of this is going on their credit cards you know a lot of this spending they still have to buy stuff they still have to buy things and they're putting that on their credit cards that debt bubble that's building as well under this economy at some point that's got to be dealt with a hundred percent and that's another bubble. I mean, you know, that's going to burst, but it's going to be more like, I think, a bomb going off at this point. And we have to remember, Rich, that although we talk about the consumer spending number growing and being fueled by debt, and that's 100% true. I'm right there with you. We also have to remember that the government spending number doesn't even include government transfers. In other words, I, as the government, I'm going to take a dollar from you and I'm going to give it to to your producer, Matt, and then he's going to go out and spend it. That spending by Matt doesn't even get counted as government spending. It it gets counted as consumer spending. And so a huge chunk of that consumer spending, basically what isn't being fueled by private debt, is being fueled by government debt. You know, to to basically buy less than $330 billion of, of GDP growth, in the, in the last quarter, the government had to go over $830 billion into debt. Please, someone tell me how that is in any way sustainable. Tell me how UPS is sustainable at this point. I mean, today they announced they're cutting 12,000 jobs. They're going to mandate re- return to offices five days a week for their employees. Didn't they just give out these lavish contracts not too not too long ago to to their drivers? And then this was the whole big thing that they 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 wanted these big raises. They got these big raises and now they're slashing jobs. Exactly. It was literally just four months ago that once again, going back to the union leadership, not acting in the best interest of union members. Just four months ago, the union leadership was crowing about the fact that they they negotiated and secured these massive raises for their members. Guess what? For a lot of those members, it turns out you didn't secure a raise at all. You secured a cut all the way down to zero because those people are getting laid off because the company can't afford to pay that many people at that rate. And a lot of these measures that they're doing are basically ways to try to get people to quit instead of having to lay them off. That's things like requiring that we're all going to have to be back in the office five days a week because they know that a certain percentage of their workers are going to say, ah, you know what, forget it. It's not worth it. I quit. Mm. So uh, the the official layoff numbers, I think, are going to get much worse is what I'm trying to say, Rich, because, again, a portion of those workers that they're putting these new requirements on are going to leave. And that's a de facto layoff. EJ and Tony, always spot on with your analysis, my friend. We appreciate it. And uh, he, of course, is from the Heritage Foundation. And you should follow Dr. EJ and Tony on Twitter because you will always get the real truth about everything at real EJ and Tony. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rich. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the Markable Fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Now the question is. And I'd really like to hear from you on this, especially if you are a parent. Uh, Would you support a social media ban for children under the age of 16? 855-839-1210 is the number. 855-839-1210. So let me lay it out for you, and you can tell me what you think. It's a bill in Florida that passed the legislature. And it would say that that, uh, children under 16 would not be able to use certain social media sites. All right? They, They... they find them to be essentially now something that is dangerous for the youths, all right? And that the the social media ban in Florida that's proposed would protect children no different than you're protecting children from tobacco or alcohol or anything else. So the question then is, is that the way we should go? The Florida Attorney General thinks that this is a great idea, basically says we have an obligation to protect our children. The governor, Ron DeSantis, he, he thinks right now this bill will probably not be held up in court. And he's concerned about the scope of it because he thinks that it won't withstand judicial scrutiny. Florida children under the age of 16 would be banned from popular social media platforms regardless of parent approval under a bill passed by the House uh, and the Senate. And it doesn't list which platforms would be affected, but it targets any social media site that tracks user activity allows children to upload material and interact with others and uses addictive features designed to cause excessive or compulsive use. The bill would not affect apps used for private messages between individuals. Quote, they're taking advantage of kids growing up. That's their business model. And why do they do it? To keep them hooked with their dopamine hits that the platform give our children with every autoplay, like with every push notification. And several Democrats joined in. It really was a bipartisan bill. And the question is, is this something that you think is a good idea? Now, obviously, as parents, we always want to protect our children. Clearly. The question is whether or not a government ban is the best way to get there. And here's what I mean. As a parent, it's very difficult to know what your kids are doing all the time. I'm finding this out with a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a three-year-old. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like when they become teenagers. And I've heard from my friends who are teenagers that it's very difficult to know all the time what your kids are doing online. So obviously, there's a sense that says, well, if the government comes in and bans kids under 16 from doing these things, that will solve the problem. We also know, though, that there's always the unintended consequence in life. And a lot of times when you tell, particularly teenagers... They can't do something. They want to do it even more. And the problem is, for a lot of them, they might go even deeper into a more dark place. In other words, if, this is, if your goal here is to protect the kids from predators, if your goal here is to protect the kids from going to bad places that would make it difficult for parents to even really be able to monitor them, would that make it even worse? Would the kids find ways to still go on apps, social media apps, because, you know, I mean, they're all they're all out there and there's always new ones being created and there's the dark web and there's all that. Would they then find those places, find those things and then spread it among their friends, in which case then the state now has to come and ban that, too. But by the time that happens, it may be too late. So is it really going to solve a problem or is it just going to shift a demographic to using other things? Because obviously, you know, if the state of Florida comes out and says this, And they say, for example, say kids can't use Instagram because Instagram is terrible. It's making these kids depressed. And it's just it really uh, affects girls negative self-esteem and all those things. And that may be true. But the question is, then, as a parent. Does my kid go to some other place 
that makes it even harder for me to be able to monitor what's happening on that app or what they're doing online. Because the, the other kids have found, you know, this other app on the dark web or this other app that the state hasn't identified for the ban yet. And all the kids go over there. So is a government ban the answer? Is the question. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And does this take away the ability of parents to make these decisions for their children about whether or not they believe that their kids should be able to use these things? I mean, there are some people whose 13-year-old kid is way more advanced than 17-year-old kids. So should this be something that the government decides for you as a parent? Or should this be something that you get to decide as a parent for your kids? You can either tweet me on social media at Rich Zioli and weigh in, or you can call the show 855-839-1210. Like, for example, I'll give you one comment that I got from Carrie. And I think Carrie is, uh, is, is very astute in her thinking here. She said, Rich, as much as I would like to keep kids safe from the dangers of social media, I stand with my belief that if you give the government an inch, they will always take a mile. Do you agree with Carrie? Or do you think, you know, this is an imperative. We have to we have to do this. Now, this is one of those areas where Democrats and Republicans sound a lot alike. Like, for example, the New York City mayor, Eric Adams, has declared social media to be an environmental toxin and a public health hazard and says young people must be protected from harm online. Now, what they're not talking about protecting young people from pedophiles and predators and things like that. They're, they're literally talking about the engagement that kids go through the engagement by other kids mostly and then also to the fact that these kids get addicted to these things whether it's youtube or tiktok or facebook eric adams the mayor of new york says these sites are fueling a mental health crisis by designing their platforms with addictive and dangerous features and he says we are the first major american city to take this step and call out the danger of social media like it is just as the Surgeon General did with tobacco and guns, we are treating social media like other public health hazards and ensuring that tech companies take responsibility for their products. It doesn't sound that different from the Attorney General of Florida, who's a Republican, or the Republican Speaker of the House, who is the one who wrote the legislation. In May of 2023, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy issued an advisory warning that excessive social media use could be a profound risk to young mental health. The advisory recognized that social media has both positive and negative effects on young people. According to Pew Research, 59% of adolescents reported that social media helps them feel more accepted. But the advisory said ultimately there wasn't enough research and clear data to determine if social media is safe for adolescent use. Quote, I issued my advisory on social media and youth mental health because the most common question parents ask me is if social media is safe for their kids. While some kids experience benefits from social media, there is not enough evidence to conclude that social media is sufficiently safe, the attorney general said last year, and said there is more evidence that many kids are harmed by their use of social media. Again, not the Biden Surgeon General and the mayor of New York City don't sound that different from what a lot of the Republicans in Florida are saying. You know, the, the Republicans in Florida are basically saying the same thing. So this is one of those rare times where you have Democrats and Republicans sounding a lot like each other. The Republican who proposed the bill in Florida said the following, we must address the harmful effects social media platforms have on the development and well-being of our kids. Florida has a compelling state interest and duty to protect our children, their mental health, and their childhood. The bill would also require firms to permanently delete personal information collected from the terminated accounts and let parents bring civil suits against those failing to do so. Now, that may be in and of itself a worthy goal here to require the firms to delete personal information from people under 16. That's, I think, separate from that. But the question, of course, of whether or not there should be a ban. Now, sponsors said the measure was necessary to protect children from depression, anxiety and other mental health. Uh, the they say are linked to excessive use of social media. Opponents argue the bill goes too far, with some urging less restrictive measures, such as letting parents opt in or out of allowing their children to use social media. Now, I would tell you, a lot of parents would say, you can't do it that way, because if you do it that way, then there's going to be too much pressure on parents to let our kids opt in, and we're going to be the bad guys. And so there's a reflexive 
I think reaction then from parents a lot of times turn around and say, so government, you do it for me. Take this off my plate. HB1 would require new social media users from a 13-year-old in Miami to a 73-year-old from Boca to provide possibly sensitive identifying information, such as a driver's license or birth certificate to a third-party organization to verify their age. Now, that's also a big problem, in my opinion, because the other problem that this opens up then is how do you know somebody is actually 16? Do I have to verify my identity? What if I don't want to? And what if I want to be anonymous on Twitter? This is kind of like what Nikki Haley proposed, where she said everybody has to register for social media. What if I don't want to give Facebook my driver's license? I just want to go on there and come up with a fake profile and spout off all my MAGA rhetoric without worrying about the government tracking me and spying on me. Because there's another story I have today, kind of ties in, I think, to the whole question around this, that the National Security Agency, the NSA, is purchasing Americans' internet browsing data without warrants. They're just buying it like like a third-party clothing company would to get access to your social media data. And the Department of Justice already has been doing this. The FBI has been doing this as well. So what if I don't want to have to give my information? If this bill passes, it seems to me you have to require everybody to verify their identity because how do you know if somebody's a kid or not? You can't just say, well, you only have to verify your identity if you're younger than 16 because they're not going to be able to be on the platform. So how would they... The only way you can root out people being on there who are younger than 16 is to make every single person register with some third party and some 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 monitoring way to ensure that everybody is the age that they say they are. So are you OK with that, too? Because you'll lose the anonymity that social media offers. The other problem that I think the bill has as well is the other issue of just and this is kind of a, a principal thing. Do we really want the government making these decisions for us as parents or do we want to make these decisions for ourselves as parents? Do we want to be able to find ways? Now, I'm all for parents being very involved in their kids' lives. I know there are some that aren't, but does that justify then giving the government new powers just because there are deadbeat parents? And with those deadbeat parents in particular who don't know what the hell their kids are doing all day, if it's not Instagram, is it something worse would be the question. So there's a lot of unintended consequences with this, like there always are whenever you have government bans. So what do you think? Should this go through? 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Let me ask Mike and Voorhees. Or Mike, you tell me, buddy. What's going on? How are you? Good. So I agree. I think this would be a legal and logistical nightmare to do all this. It would be a mess. So rather than go to these extremes, why don't we first require... Uh, in elementary schools, some type of courses uh, to teach kids about the dangers of social media. Why don't we start there, that you have a specific curriculum about this, and if that doesn't work, then you consider some of these extreme measures. But but teach them in the school and, re- and have Governor DeSantis require a specific curriculum on this topic. How would that work, you think? I mean, what would they, what would they say to kids exactly? How would they do that, you think? Well, you give tips on, uh, first of all, you, you want to avoid things like stalking and, and, you know, people pretending that they aren't. You don't want, you know, trafficking is a big issue or, sure. and kidnapping. Uh, so you just introduce any of those dangers and uh, you just educate people on how these things could be addictive and, you know, what marketers do and, and just make them aware. I don't know how young kids will understand that, but uh, I think that would be a first step. Uh, Mike, thank you. Thank you very much for your thoughts, Mike. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you, Mike. Kevin's in Bucks. Kevin, go ahead. Hey, Rich. Um, So two quick things. First of all, this this is a slippery slope. We allow, we give out freely our information to social media, right? It's, It's in their terms of service. Just because we have access these days to complain and opine and everything, right? It's in their that we give freely our information. So there's that. But as I was saying to uh, Matt DeSantis, uh, my now 32-year-old daughter, who's a travel nurse at 13, was on a website called Zanga. It was like 
MySpace. And her username was Dance in Your Underwear. And she posted a story about someday she was coming home from swim practice and how she got pantsed by her friend. And a guy driving by in a truck rolled by and laughed, right? Now, you know, me as a dad, I got really ticked off. And I went up to her. I said, well, are you kidding me? She was, but dad, I was wearing my bathing suit. I'm like, but nowhere in your story did you say that? If you said you were in your bathing suit, fine. But your username was dancing your underwear. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm, conne- I'm connecting these dots, kiddo. So either edit it or get off the site, right? But we freely, we do give out. This is, unless you own your own website, these social media, we're beholden to them. And they're, they buy and sell our information because well, you, that's what we do but, but the point you're illustrating which is a good one i think is that you're involved in your daughter's life so you know what she's doing online I mean, the argument would be that uh if you were not involved with what your daughter was doing she'd be on social media doing all these things and having all the harmful effects of it and everything else and nobody's there to prevent her from doing those things mike uh, excuse me kevin because you're not involved in her life you see what i mean no, agreed. And again, keeping in mind, she's 32 now. So now my other daughter's art therapist. She's a master's degree. Mm-hmm. And so wait, do you, do you support the ban or, or no? No, no, I okay. no. Because as as parents, you need to, you know, remind. Remember, I'm the guy that owns. Greg Stocker. So right. No, I know. Kevin, so, we know who you are. I just I thank you. But all right, know, thank I you, know. Kevin. Hey. I appreciate it. I just want to make sure I want to get some other calls in here. Thank you, Kevin. Um, Dave is in Pottstown. Dave, go ahead, sir. Hey, Rich. Um, yeah, I just think this is unenforceable. I think it would end up being like prohibition. Um, there's, you can't keep kids off of porn sites. I caught my 12 year old son. Uh, he's not 12 anymore, but I caught him on, on internet porn. If you can't keep a kid off of internet porn, you're not going to keep them off social media. It's impossible. Um, there's no way to enforce it. Um, yeah, I agree that it's harmful force the companies to, to change the, 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 their tactics to, to try and get kids addicted on this stuff. Um, that, that's what has to be enforced, not the kid being on social media. By the um, way, what did you do when you caught your son using Internet porn? Well, I, I, I had a, a, a father-son talk of... Uh, Hey, this this is this is adult material. Uh, it's it's not for children. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's it's an uncomfortable conversation yeah. to, to say the least. But hey, you know, uh, they they find it whether it be accidentally or on purpose. Other kids are doing it in school, and uh, you know, any kid can can go on their on their iPhone and, and get on an internet porn site. So how are you going to stop them? from getting on Facebook or TikTok or whatever, you know, uh, sites that you want to uh, prevent Well, you have to have age on. verification if you're going to do it that way, but that means yeah, goodbye I mean, anonymity, you know, Dave. Dave, thank you very much for your call and your yep. thoughts. I appreciate it. Uh, Vince is in Douglasville. Vince, go ahead. Rich, you were the best in the morning and you're the best in the afternoon. You uh, still got thank it. you, Vince. Hi. I appreciate you're that. You're welcome. You're welcome. I got so much to say about this. Number one, it's the job of the parent to be the parent, and they just want to offload this. You can try and change the algorithms of TikTok. You can try and pressure them, but it's at, in the end, it's never going to work because that's how marketers capture information. Number two... Uh, when I was when I was uh, 16, I ordered my driver's license so that I could get served. All right, there's you know we had the warning stickers on the records. We bought all the records. It it it's all there's always a workaround. You be a good parent, and that fixes that. But here's a really dangerous proposition when the government has it. Well, there's two actually. Number one is they have your uh, birth certificate and your information at 16. Two more years, they're going to be able to sell your information at 18 and market back to you. But here's the biggest problem. The biggest problem I see, maybe if we go through another COVID pandemic, who's to say that the government's not going to push ads directed at your kids 
that while they're 16 say you need to be vaccinated yeah. if your parents aren't vaccinating you they're bad parents sure or maybe it's climate change or maybe dad took too many airplane trips and they're going to start getting fed this greta Thunberg crap yeah look that's i mean that's bad. an excellent point right if, if they if the government has all that knowledge of what my children are doing online they can certainly decide which messages they see or don't see yeah and you've and i'm i'm a i've been it's following this vaccine point. stuff for three <laughs> years it's not good for young males okay now that's the biggest scariest problem i have with them trying to hide it's under the office yeah no you of- make you make it you, you bring up an excellent unintended consequence vince thank you buddy i appreciate it thanks for your kind words you're welcome. Love to get a new way of thinking about things. So, Vince, thank you for that. All right, 855-839-1210. Uh, I'll share with you some social media thoughts here. Uh, Baby, it's gold outside. Says, Rich, I have mixed feelings, but this is important. My 25-year-old son just told me that Google Images was his first view of soft porn. He was 11 years old looking for something for school. He said that was when I first realized I could search for anything. Mm-hmm. Well, that probably won't change. Um, Santos said parents should decide what social media. I'll come to you in just a sec. Don't worry. Parents should decide what social media their kids have access to, not the government. There has to be a way to block apps or access on their devices. Parents need to step it up. Chris Apolito says, Rich, as I prepared a tweet, oh, he, he, he was commenting on Kerry's tweet, which I read earlier. Old man Dudley says, sooner or later, the libs and government will declare that being a teenager is an unsafe mental health risk. The kids will have to cocoon until they are 20 and can pass a social stress test. Now, my other friend had a great point, which I think is excellent. She said, um, social media is a tool. The question is whether or not, as parents, it would be useful to be involved in them learning how to use it responsibly rather than waiting until high school when they are less likely to communicate at all and then dive right in. And their brain is still at risk for being hijacked due to psychological development. So why not wait until 25? And she's being sarcastic there. But yes, the point is that if you don't let them do social media till they're 16, kind of like the old argument of, you know, if the first time a kid goes to college and has a beer and then goes completely crazy because he's never, you know, been exposed to anything before. It's kind of that argument as well. Um, all right, Joanna is in Pottstown. Joanna, go ahead. Hey, Rich. I love your show. Um but Thank I just you. have a comment to a previous neighbor in Pottstown, Mike, said about put it in the schools. I am a teacher, and no thank you. No more and more government curriculum. No more curriculum. We have, we have these kiddos. we got to teach how to read and write. And then as a mom who has a teenager, these are lockdown kids. That, this is how they did a lot of their socialization when they were in lockdown. We need to teach them responsibility, not take it away. Parents have to teach these kiddos to be responsible and what it looks like online as a responsible user. And what do we do about the kids that, whose parents are just not involved in their lives, though, and then wind up getting turned over to Instagram or tw- Twitter? And uh, by the way, I agree with you. I'm just, you know, the, that, that's the counter argument that's used. It, it is, Rich. And as a teacher, I deal with, you know, some parents who don't aren't involved as others. And that's just when you do have to have a conversation with the child. You hope that they have a safe adult. You hope that they have good friends and that there's some type of re- leadership or responsibility in their life. But we can't. Uh, no new curriculum, please. <laughs> OK, uh, I, listen, I hear you. Joanna, thank you. I appreciate it. Henry, your thoughts. Uh, I mean, I don't like the idea of the government stepping in and doing something. But I mean, I, I would take it a step further. Yeah. I wouldn't allow kids under the age of 18 to have any smartphones or tablets or anything like that whoa i think it's all a distraction i mean i can think about like when i was in high school like you know we were supposed to use you know an ipad or a tablet for learning yeah all i ended up doing was playing games the entire class pretty much all day every day and then you know you get home from school and what do you do you flip on social media and it's all just a time waster it's been a time waster since I was, you know, 11 years old here. I'm going on, you know, a decade and a half here of just being on social media, wasting time. So you're actually suggesting now no iPads, no iPhones, nothing Not, until they're adults. None of it. None wow. of it. I, 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 it's just generally, I don't see any good of it. You can have a cell phone, you know, you That's can still old. text people, you right. call people, do the basic things. But there's just so much time wasting, so much dopamine, just overload from whether it's games or it's social media or it's porn, like everything it's it's crazy how much they prey on like you know kids adult yeah. and i 
I don't think adults would know how to regulate or parents, I should say, like regulate it a lot of times. Like what, what do you do? I don't, I think it's just cut it off at the head. Cut it off at the head. DeSantis, yeah. what do you think? Uh, well, obviously, I don't think the government should be uh, regulating who's using social media. I- I'm not as angry about it as Henry is. Henry's very angry. I don't think social media is even a net negative. I think it could be a positive way for you to communicate with friends in certain scenarios. Um, I-, I do think that... What scenarios? I mean, it's fun to communicate with friends on on Twitter, for example, or on Facebook. Like people enjoy themselves. What's the difference it's between that and texting? It's fun to post a picture on Instagram. Like I get why people enjoy it. I don't think it's necessarily a net negative unless it's abused. So I do think parents have an obligation to place some restrictions on on what their kids are using um, via social media. Uh, I, I think it's more of a parental issue than it is a government issue, certainly. I, I'm all for a parental opt-in measure, even though I'm sure as parents we'd all succumb to opting in. But And I don't, I, I don't know if really these things are – I mean, I had an Atari when I was a kid. I had a Nintendo when I was a kid. Sure. I loved it. I played with my friends. I played Nintendo. My parents knew where I was. They knew where I was – they knew I was safe. You know what I mean? My son plays Minecraft with his cousin for yeah. a little bit on Saturday. I play Pac-Man with them because we got one of those old school arcade machines in the basement. Uh, I mean, is am I really? Is it really hurting him? You know, I don't think. I so. didn't say anything about video games. I think video games are fine. You communicate over, you know, Xbox Live or PSN or whatever you you know use. Those are fine because you know where you are. You're at the console, right? You're not posting anything. You're I, not doing anything. I think even Twitter, though, uh, as an example, could be used as a net positive. I, sure. I, it's a great source for breaking news. It's better than basically what? any other news. I, I honestly believe it's the best source for breaking news. Better than the New York Times, better than the Wall Street Journal, better than basically any other outlet. And if you were to just prevent anyone 16 or under from accessing Twitter, I, I, it's certainly a minority of people under the age of 16, but I'm, I'm sure they exist. People genuinely interested in what's going on in the world I, I think it stifles their growth you actually raise another great point which is another unintended consequence of this bill which is that kids would only get their information theoretically now from school they wouldn't be able to challenge it so if somebody hears something from their woke economics teacher and wants to go online to challenge it and find out something else they can't or a lot of times you've got people posting things because it goes against the narrative of the corporate media or the school and then the young people would not be able to be exposed to that because they're not allowed to be on social media. Yeah, I definitely. So until you're 16, or in Henry's world, 18 or 30, with Henry the tyrant over here, <laughs> uh, you would never be allowed to get an alternative opinion to anything than what the, I mean, they tell you. You could still bring like uh, like tablets into the classroom as long as they're like you know they have the right blocks and like you could go on the internet. But you right have the, you know you need the right blocks on them. So Henry, you want the state then to control the sites that the kids could go on. Not necessarily, no. But like, if you wanted to go on like Google or use DuckDuckGo, but if I, I want to go on, fine. say, I don't know, but you uh, can't use like human events. The school deems that to be outside of their or a conspiracy events. site. I want to go on Infowars and look up something. Can I? Can I do that? Or does the school say no? It depends on the school, I guess. Th- th- this is the problem. Yeah, I, I hear this you. is the problem. I hear. You. I, and then you. Really ne- I mean, all this way. stuff that you find that many times is contrary to the narrative that we talk about all the time. The narrative we find that on social media. Yeah. So our kids would then only be exposed to the narrative that is pushed out by the corporate media but or their public I, education I system. also think you're talking about like a very select few kids that actually want to keep up with the news and know the news. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but it just seems like that's not like the pressing issue with kids. It's like, oh, how are they going to get the news, you know? Yeah. Um, horse of a difference is Henry can go live in the woods in a scary old cabin. No internet and the rest <laughs> of us can use technology. Like Henry David Thoreau. <laughs> Henry David Thoreau. Yes, I, I put, I put limits on my travel. phone. Henry's I, like, I don't think anyone should have electricity until they're 18. I, you know, if someone ever attacks the grid and, you know, yeah. blows everything up and they wipe all the servers and whatnot, that'd be great I actually for think you're off the grid. I think you're John Connor. I think you're off the grid <laughs> and nobody can actually find Henry. I, I try my best. I mean, like, I'm on social media apps, but, like, I put limits on them. Like, I put time I limits good. on them. Yeah, because it's just, it's terrible for me. I, 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 I'm glad you've recognized that. I, I do. I'm, I'm glad you've recognized it's a problem for yourself, which is good. But then you're taking self-control, which I admire.
you know, and not giving it into the hands of the government to take it away from you. I, again, I don't want the government I to know. come in. I just gave I you know. my thought. Your th- I, I know. That's important to note. Henry's not pushing for a nationwide ban on iPads or iPhones until people are 18. That's just what he personally believes. Yeah. I just want to make that point clear. In case Henry gets a lot of hate mail. Like, What's up with this tyrant? No, he doesn't. Henry wants to behead people that use iPads. In the spirit of Henry VIII. <laughs> If you, you, if you go on Twitter and you're under, he wants to behead you. Uh, all right. So uh, eight, five, the, the other problem, I'll just say one, one last unintended consequence, and this has to do with the guns. Uh, there are a lot of parents who take their kids shooting, and they do so to teach them how to use guns safely and properly. And, you know, the left would love to ban that. For example, they would love for an 18-year-old to never get their hands on a gun. They'd love for a 21-year-old to never get their hands on a gun, anyone under 21. The minute you start allowing government to decide what's scary for our kids and give them the power and take it away from you as a parent, you open up the door for, you know, today it's, I agree with you on this, but then tomorrow it's, wait, you don't, my kid can't use a firearm till he's 21, not even with me as a parent at a shooting range or no, nothing? No? You see, it becomes a problem when you take the power and give it to the government to start deciding these things for you. Uh, And this is the big story of the day today, brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. Go see him today with two locations to serve you in Cinnamonson and Woodbury. Schedule your free implant consultation for your perfect smile. Call 856-786-2020 or visit venariadental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, venariadental.com. Coming up, more government regulation coming out and more of the government's so-called trust-busting and the unintended consequences of that in the economy don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.